Welcome to the Marketer's Brief Podcast. I'm Ad Age reporter Jessica Wall, filling in for EJ Schultz. In this episode, I'm joined by Allison Witherspoon, who was named VP of Marketing Communications and Media at Nissan North America a few weeks ago. Allison was most recently working for the global Nissan brand in Japan before moving into her latest role. And before that, she was U.S. Director of Marketing for Nissan's Infinity brand. She's worked on other auto brands as well, handling work for Volvo, BMW, and Mercedes-Benz from the agency side. Today, we'll speak with Allison about her love of automobiles from an early age, what's on her agenda at Nissan North America, the work she's doing to boost the presence and voices of women in the industry, and more. So stick around. I'm here with Allison Witherspoon, who was named VP of Marketing Communications and Media at Nissan North America a few weeks ago. Thanks for joining me, Allison. Thank you. It's good to be here. I want to start off taking a a step back. I heard that you had a passion for automobiles from an early age. (laughs) Yes, I did. Um, I've been actually I've been doing a lot of kind of introduction stories and it's it's everyone kind of gets a kick out of it. Um, I fell in love with cars when I was really young and what I loved about it initially was I loved the design. Um, and so I kind of, I just fell in love with design of cars and and particularly the headlamps. Um, and I was, I would count headlamps outside of my, you know, just kind of looking at other cars on the road outside of my parents' station wagon. We were, it was back when you could have kids sitting in the back seat. So I was sitting in the back seat looking out and counting headlamps. And it was actually um, the Porsche 911 was just kind of that, that design was fascinating to me. And so I just started counting them and drove my parents absolutely crazy. And, and ever since then, it just, it's kind of taken from there. I think, um, you know, for me, you know, I grew up with brothers, we were all kind of into cars and into the design. And then later on, you know, kind of learning how to drive and driving became such a iconic moment in, in, um, you know, kind of freedom and it, what that meant for you. So that's how it started in design and just kind of morphed into, you know, just a love of driving and kind of everything that that meant. So the way, way back seat of a station wagon is what we have to thank for your career in the automotive industry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and putting my, and my parents probably putting me back there uh, with my brother is, is also to thank. So I'm not sure you can do that anymore. <laughs> what was the first car you ever drove once you were old enough to drive? Uh, the first car I ever drove was I drove a Mercedes E-Class, actually. It was my grandmother's. So I, I drove that. And my dad taught me how to drive in the driveway. And my grandmother lived next door. Um, and so he kind of sat me on the lap, uh, on his lap, and he was working the pedals and I was working the steering wheel. And then I think the the next one that I drove um, was actually a Nissan Z. Um, so it was a 300Z Turbo. And, uh, my, it was, that was the first time I learned how to drive a manual. So how old were you when you owned your first car or bought your first car? I was, I was 22. I bought my first car right out of college. Um, so I graduated and bought my first car myself. And what did you pick? I bought a Jeep Cherokee. It was black. It was the old body style. Um, I had, uh, I, it was just one of those iconic cars. So that was the first one that I had bought. And did you check out the headlamps before you made this purchase? I did check out the headlamps. <laughs> I think after that, I transitioned into, you know, once the, once automotive design, once it was clear that automotive design 
was was not going to be my specialty. Um, then it just became kind of about about the style, um, and I loved the style at the time and and the the functionality of it. So when you graduated college, your first job was not in the automotive industry; it was in the advertising industry. Is that right? Correct, it, but it was in automotive actually. So I was a consultant for Mercedes Benz and Honda and Acura, and what I did is I implemented all of the the local dealer what we would call tier three co-op advertising programs that most um, automotive manufacturers have with their dealers. And so I was implementing and working with all of the Mercedes dealers and implementing brand standards through all of their local advertising. So it was kind of a combination of advertising, but but in automotive. So my entire career has only been in automotive, actually. How did you get into automotive at such an early stage of your career? How did you get your first job in the industry to be where you wanted to be. So I went to the University of Missouri. So I'm a, I'm a tiger. And I originally started out as an accounting major and I took an international advertising class and absolutely fell in love with it and just immediately changed my major that day after the first day in class. Um, and just was something that, you know, I just knew that this was something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And there was, they were recruiting on campus and there was a company that is now called Ansira they were recruiting there and I had an interview with them. They had talked about um, some of their clients were automotive manufacturers and I had talked about my love of cars and it was, it just, it all kind of came together. So when you graduated college, you were, you were on your way into the automotive industry, into the advertising industry. Mm -hmm. We can jump ahead a little bit, but I'm curious along your path before you got to where you are now, I'm curious how many women were along with you for the ride? Not many. I'll, I'll be honest. There weren't many. Um, there were um, a couple in some of um, manager or director roles, but I think on the agency side, there weren't many. And on the manufacturer side, uh, not many at all. It wasn't until um, there was uh, essentially a director of marketing at BMW. Her name is Trudy Hardy, and she was kind of the first female on the manufacturer side that, that was at a more senior level. And when you were on the agency side, moving up the ranks on the agency side, do you think that being a woman helped you stand out, maybe helped you get more attention or, or, or lead to mentorships, or were you one of the crew? I think I was, I think I started out as one of the crew. I think there weren't, there weren't a lot of women. I, I was kind of, I was part of the crew, but I was also, you know, kind of a, a go-getter and ambitious and passionate about what I, what I did. And I think that more than anything is kind of what, what got attention um, than, than specifically being a female. I think over time, I think that has become a little bit more prominent. And I think, you know, as I've transitioned to the client side, that's become a much, a much bigger kind of role because there aren't a lot of women in senior positions in, in automotive. Let's talk a little bit about the transition from the agency side to the client side. Take us back to where you were, the agencies you were working on on a couple of automotive accounts before you you made the switch to the client side, correct? Correct. Yeah, I was at Merkley and Partners working on Mercedes-Benz and then I was at Kirschenbaum working on BMW and then I was at Havas working on Volvo. And actually when I was at Havas for Volvo, I was based in Amsterdam. So I was there for two years and I was le- I was the global business partner 
for Havas and Volvo. And so I had been there for a couple of years and I, a recruiter had reached out to me. And I think at that point I was, I was ready to kind of take the next step in my career. I had, I, I love automotive. It's something that, you know, I think it was, I was just born to do. And so kind of the combination, but I also love advertising and marketing. So the two things together are really, you know, kind of where my, my passion is. And when the recruiter reached out, I was, I was ready to be the person that was responsible for making the decision about what consumers did or didn't see. And I think on the agency side, I really enjoyed being a part of the creative process. Um, but I also wanted to be the one that was kind of making the decisions because I think sometimes on the agency side, you can feel a little like one step removed sometimes. And I was, I was ready to, to be the decider. So when you were approached by the recruiter, were you already thinking in your mind, this is something I want to do. I want to swap over to the, or not swap over, but move over to the client side, or was it maybe a few years you know, did, did it take a while to to get to that position where you were ready to make that leap? I think it was something that I had always wanted to do. I'd always wanted to kind of move on the client side, but it, it did take a while. It took some time to kind of get there in the right role. And I think that, you know, if I had done it earlier, it probably wouldn't have been the right position or it wouldn't, it, the timing wasn't right, but the timing happened to be right after you know, kind of working on a few different brands in more senior agency positions, and then also having international experience, the time was right for me to take, to kind of take that next step. And so you moved away from Amsterdam to take that position, correct? I did. I moved from Amsterdam to Nashville, Tennessee. A little bit of a culture shock there, maybe. Slightly, slightly. It was more of a culture shock than living abroad. (laughs) And that was, you know, prior to me moving to Japan, it was the biggest culture shock. So you were in Nashville, or I guess in Franklin, Tennessee, right? Is where is where Nissan North America has mm-hmm. its its offices. Um, and then Correct. you were given the opportunity. How long were you in Nashville or in Franklin before you you moved to Japan to work on the the global business? I was in I was based in Franklin for about three years. So I was the director of marketing for Infinity in the U.S. and I was responsible there. Uh, Infinity is a smaller brand, but I was responsible for all the marketing, reporting directly into the vice president of Infinity for North America. So responsible for you know all the content, communications, media activation. Um, kind of digital CRM website platform, all of it. Um, so I had that experience um, at, at the Infinity side, which is a little bit of a smaller volume. And then, you know, just through some discussions with the global team, there was a position that was available, or there was a, they had asked me if I was interested in moving to Japan. So I just spent the last two years being based in Japan. And what was that like for you being in Japan? It was incredible. It was a great experience. I, I've never learned so much in such a small amount of time as I have in the past two years. I think it's J- Japan is an incredible country. Sometimes it's a little bit like outer space, and that's kind of on the surface, but then it's a very respectful, kind, um, caring culture, which I really enjoyed being around. And I think from a management standpoint, it was a really good experience for me to be working with teams around the world. Um, working on how you can kind of influence and manage and communicate across different cultures was just a great experience for me. What tips would you give someone who's thinking about or has been offered you know, an international marketing position? What kinds of things are, are sort of the main differences between the role you had at Infinity and the role that you had with, with Nissan in Japan? 
Sure. And I think the first thing that I would say is, you know, kind of run, don't walk to the opportunity because it's the ability to work abroad provides you with a lot of experience that you wouldn't naturally get. And you get a lot of growth, both personally as well as professionally. In my role, I was the general manager for global brand engagement, and I was responsible for the oversight of all of the creative around the world the media partnerships and kind of plans around the world, which I negotiated at a global level, all of the global sponsorships, the global marketing investment management, and then also our heritage collection. So that it gave me a broad level, a broad scope of responsibilities, but then it also gave me insights and I was working with all of the different regions around the world. And it was just very eye-opening to see kind of what works in one market is not kind of as relevant in other markets. And then also just how consumer behavior is somewhat similar, but then also there are all of these nuances. So it's really important to have a clear understanding of who the consumer is and how they can, you know, how they actually consume media and have interactions with brands. And I would say my advice would be to go in with an open mind and understand that, you know, just because you've kind of worked in one market. And I think at that time I have, you know, I I had worked in Europe as well as in the U S um, but making sure that your your previous experience obviously is an important piece, but you have to have an open mind to kind of understand how other other cultures that you haven't had as much exposure, how they operate as well. And now that you're back in the United States, is there anything that you miss about the Japanese marketing culture, the Japanese management culture? I think the management culture, it's very process oriented. Um and there's a lot of teamwork. And I think there's and there's a lot of there's a lot of good in that in that you everything operates as a team, whereas in Western culture, it's a little bit of, you know, you have people that are very ambitious and you have kind of people that are moving and sometimes it creates some silos. Um, and so I'm trying to bring a little bit more of a, a teamwork environment to the team here, which I think is already kind of embedded. But I would say that's the biggest thing. It's it's kind of everyone operating in a team environment. And was that something that you had training for, that you were prepared for, or was that something that you learned on the job? There was... Because that's a very different way of working, right? When you're used to, <laughs> I'm sure you've been exposed to some of the Japanese management, but it's it, but it's still a, a different way of, of working day to day. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was a little bit of both because before I went... We spent a few days in with a sociologist. I, I, the sociologist worked with me on kind of what are the key things and what are kind of the learnings that I need to be aware of going into it. So one of the things that really stuck out that she said that really just resonated with me was, you know, she just said, you can't change centuries of culture just because you're coming into that. There is in Japan, you have centuries and centuries of a way of doing things. And just because I'm coming from the U.S. and I've had experience in Europe doesn't mean I can just kind of throw that type of management style or that communication style and just everyone's going to immediately respond to it. And so you, you know, you kind of go through this period where you're you're trying to do things the way that you would in, in a Western management style and then realizing that, you know, you're things aren't moving either as quickly as you would like them to, or you're getting some kind of pushback in in ways that aren't as direct as what you would in other parts of the world. And so I, I've, I've spent a fair amount of time making a lot of mistakes. <laughs> um, but the learning that came out of it was huge because, you know, once I, once I was able to kind of find the right um, formula for 
getting the team, getting the teams to be motivated and get, being able to kind of influence the decisions, then we started to move very, very quickly um, and very kind of efficiently and effectively. So I think it was, it was a combination of the two, but I think the, the sociologist and, and working with her and having her kind of explain, like, don't go in, a, in a, a bull. If you go in as a bull in a China shop, it's not going to work. The, the culture will just reject that. Um, and so then once I got there, then it was kind of, you know, testing and learning as I went. And have you brought any of that culture back into your new position? Yes, I have. Um, I, I think the biggest thing, and I'm I'm three weeks in now, but I think the biggest thing is is communication and kind of making sure that everyone is aware of what the direction is and doing that with in smaller teams and bigger teams, but really taking the time to kind of establish that direction up front and then getting everyone to move in, in the same in the same um in the same direction. And tell us a little bit, I realize you're only three weeks in, as you just mentioned, but tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day workload in, entails. So day-to-day, it's, I mean, right now I'm doing a lot of onboarding, but, you know, marketing is such a fluid thing. It's a living organism. So it's it's onboarding and decision-making all at the same time. So we are working on our we operate on a Japanese fiscal year. So our fiscal year actually started April 1st. So we are still, you know, the plan, the overall planning is done, but we're also kind of optimizing the ongoing plans on a quarterly basis. So right now, what I'm really trying to do is, is get the teams kind of aligned on where we want to go from a creative standpoint and from a marketing and from a marketing and precision marketing standpoint. So I've been meeting with, I've been, I've had several agency meetings and had been traveling to all of our agencies to make sure that they understand what the direction is. A lot of internal meetings here. We've had a couple of summits. We've had a creative summit that took place in New York a few weeks ago with the agency team. And then we've also been meeting with our local regional teams here on, you know, kind of establishing this is where we see the opportunities for Nissan. This is where we want to, this is the direction where we want to move. Are there any particular vehicles that you're focused on for this fiscal year? So for this focus, this year, we actually have, um, we're trying to kind of expand our coverage. We're going to have some, some key launches with some of which I can't talk about, um, towards the end of the year, but we will be launching Versa this year. We have Rogue, which is one of our um, high volume models. And then we also have Ultima. So those will be some of the key ones, but then we also want to focus on some of our other models such as Murano and, and Armada. And I think what we've been learning over time is that we can be much more targeted and efficient with our marketing and media dollars if we kind of tackle some of these other niche models with a little bit more of a a targeted precision marketing approach. So we're trying to get coverage across all of our models because the the main reason is that over the next two to three years, 70% of our product portfolio is going to be completely refreshed. So we need to start communicating on some of those models now. So we're not going from, you know, kind of zero to needing hundred percent awareness all within a matter of a month. Um, So we're trying to start doing a lot of that homework now. Okay, so sort of build it into the marketing, build it into people's minds so it's not exactly. a complete shock in the next few years when these models change. Yes, exactly. Okay. Do you feel like automotive is different from other categories in that way? You have major changes on your your products, but you also have it built in in a way that I feel you have a little bit of, of lead time maybe versus other products or other industries. Yeah, definitely. Because I think that you know what's coming down the pipe. Yeah, right? yeah, we have a there's a clear advanced planning process which happens, so we have visibility several years out, um, which gives us time to kind of 
plan on the marketing side. But at the same time, we need to be, you know, we need to get and we need to have the upfront planning, but then we also need to have the flexibility because between when a car is kind of agreed and then when it actually comes out, it's going to be a few years. And as we've been seeing, consumer behavior is changing so rapidly. We need to have kind of a go-to-market approach, which we essentially start planning, you know, kind of 18 to 24 months out. Um, but it, that's also going to change kind of the closer and closer we get to launch. But it is nice versus other other categories because we do have that visibility um, into what the product pipeline looks like. Okay. Okay. When you are communicating with your agencies, how far in advance are you planning these campaigns? Because you've you've gotten to know the agencies a little bit, but you're you're planning something that might not be on air or be in in market for another. 18 to 24 months. Yes. Yeah. So for me, it's, um, it's important for them to understand what the, you know, kind of what the model life cycle looks like. And that includes all of the advanced planning. Um, so we are talking to them in that upfront process. Sometimes there aren't as much details, but it's more to give them awareness of what's coming down. And then once we get, you know, 18 to 24 months out, then we have more specifics about the vehicle. It's working on the positioning and then it's working on what the go-to-market plan is. So, my approach is definitely to bring the agencies in earlier in the in the process, and then and then kind of going through going through that upfront planning process, and then getting into the go to market. Because I think if you're trying to do if you're trying to do to prepare for a launch that's coming up in three months, and you haven't done all of that, you're you're generally going to have kind of a generic approach to it, and you're just going to kind of take what you've done in the past and not necessarily optimize it. Whereas if you get them involved early, you're able to think about who the consumer is what they're going to be reacting to in an ideal world, you've, you've already been able to kind of test and learn some communications with the current generation of the vehicle. So you have that going into what that planning process will be. And I know you can't divulge too much about the future and, and the cars that we're going to be seeing coming down in a few years, but when you're looking ahead, what makes you most excited about being in the automotive industry and, and being at Nissan these days? To me, it's the automotive industry is, is probably the most exciting. It's, it's, a little bit, you know, I think there's been a little bit of bad press lately about it, but it, to me, it's it's all about technology and design and kind of production and manufacturing, which is, you know, all of those things combined are really interesting. But I think consumer behavior and how they are, you know, what mobility means to them has completely changed in the last five to 10 years, and it's only going to evolve even further. And to me, the exciting opportunity is really being a part of that process. Um, so for us, I think we have very exciting products that are that are going to be coming into market over the next two, three years. But also what the next five to 10 years also looks like is really exciting because people's relationships will, with cars will change. And and it's it's on us, you know, and as a company for Nissan, I think we have some interesting opportunities that are products as well as overall mobility experiences, which can be which will be groundbreaking. When you say mobility experiences, what do you mean? Are we talking about car sharing or, or uh, autonomous driving? What, what kinds of things are you talking about? I think and all of those things would be part of it. But I think it's also, you know, we have some vehicle to home technology that can exist because I think your car isn't just going to be getting you from A to B. It's going to play such a larger role in your life. Um, but your ownership is going to be different. So it is about autonomous drive. It is about car sharing. It is about creating kind of a more connected environment vehicle to vehicle, which I think is also interesting. Vehicle to vehicle. Okay. That's an interesting one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Something to look forward to. And then on top of all of this, you obviously have also been doing work internally 
getting to know your team. I know Nissan recently held an event uh, with the 3% conference about female leadership. Uh, Maybe we could talk a little bit about that. I believe it's called the Circle of Women at Nissan. Yep, correct. So uh, Omnicom is our agency of record and we have TBWA is is the, the lead agency with that. But we we started to partner with TBWA. Nissan and TBWA partnered together because I think there is a gap in you know kind of building the pipeline for female leadership. And what we were seeing is that we were seeing that women would get to certain levels and then all of a sudden they would kind of abandon the industry um, because there weren't a lot of opportunities. And so I think it was more about how can we so you know as a team our objective would be how can we get out in front of that and how can we actually create opportunities uh, and a, and a a career path for women to get into um, more senior level roles. And really, it's about building that pipeline. And how does the agency take part in something like that? Are you looking at the women who are at mid or, or lower level positions at the in, at, at the agencies? Or are you looking? I, I, I'm, I just want to make sure I understand what, what part the agency has in this and what part Nissan has? So the agencies, it's actually kind of on both sides. And I think we wanted to do this in partnership. Um, so it's it's looking not only at the agency side, but also on the Nissan side. So how can we get women and men actually, but, but focus on women? How can we kind of provide some visibility into some of the challenges and opportunities that they will be facing, you know, as you're kind of coming up through the ranks and actually starting to prepare them. So it's through, you know, kind of through thought leadership conferences, through mentoring. Those are kind of two ways. And then we're also talking about what are ways that we can actually have um, the agency team have exposure on the Nissan side and then vice versa. I think we're still working through some of the plans around that, but that is, you know, something that we are kind of looking into the possibility of doing that. Okay. And what would you tell other women looking to break through in marketing in general and specifically in the automotive field? Is there any advice that you would give someone either starting out or looking to make that, you know, that jump, that next level in their career? I would say, I mean, there, there's probably a lot. It's hard to kind of, it's hard to pick one, but I would just say, keep pushing, um, you know, fight for fight for the good fight. Um, make sure that you are speaking up and you're sharing your opinions um, and you're putting yourself into positions. And that means taking all types of opportunities. So if it is um, an opportunity abroad, if it is an, an opportunity that that may be more difficult, lean into that and really try to kind of push in those types of roles um, and, and, and make yourself as visible as you possibly can. Do you find there are more women in leadership positions now than when you were starting out, either on the agency side or when you came over to the client side? Definitely. It's definitely changed over the, over the past few years. And I would say, you know, a lot over the past 10 years because they're there weren't very many women, e- even on the agency side. Um, and I think they're starting to become more and more there. But then even in, on the automotive side, you know, at a more senior level, there are a, a lot more women that are, are in these senior level positions. And when you're not driving for work, what kind of car do you drive? So for me, I just got back. Um, so I have my everyday driver is uh, the new Ultima. So I have that. That was one of the, that was the most recent vehicle that we launched, which launched at the end of last year. And then the fun is a GTR <laughs> because it's a GTR. <laughs> <laughs> and and I won't report you to the police, but what's the fastest you've ever gone in that car um, on a on a regular road? Uh, <laughs> on a regular road, 
Probably, <laughs> probably about 90. The fastest I've ever gone was actually on the Autobahn. <laughs> um, that was pretty fast, but it was the fastest I've ever gone in the GTR is probably around 90. Okay. Uh, do you, it was a close road. Yeah. I'm sure I have to put to, all the disclaimers around it. No, do you get to go out to the test track and, and, and try it out? Yes. Yes, we do get to do that. So we have a proving ground, which is in Arizona. And then we also have, um, I was just meeting with the product team and we're looking to set up, you know, kind of product inductions with just to kind of kick things off for our future products. So we have a proving ground in Arizona. And then we also use the Nashville Speedway, which is located close to our office here. So that allows us to kind of get the cars out on a track, which is a lot of fun to do. Yeah, especially, you know, you've come a long way from sitting in the back of a station wagon looking at other <laughs> other sports cars to actually be able to yes. to test and learn on on the on the ones that are coming out to the public. It's got to be Yeah, and it's always nice when you're actually sitting with the when you're with the precision drivers and they're they're, you know, they're they're teaching you kind of the tricks of being, you know, cuz a lot of them are former race car drivers, so you're getting to learn all the ins and outs of the behind the scenes of being a race car driver, which I completely love. Sounds It sounds like a fun day at the office, for sure. It is. I don't, yeah, I feel I'm very fortunate. Um, I enjoy working for the company. Uh, and it's just, it's given me a lot of great opportunities and, and I love it. The team here is, is really phenomenal. So it's, it's great. I have no complaints at all. Okay. Um, and then just before we go, I just want to ask you, what's something people might not know about you, Allison? Um, something that people, I... I'm a twin. So I have a twin brother and that's probably, I guess more and more, I've started to say it more and more because that's usually how I answer that. But most people wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't believe that, but I've got a twin. He lives in Dallas. Um, I call him my roommate. (laughs) (laughs) So we hated each other in high school, but, but now we're very close again. All right. Great. Well, I think we can leave it there. Thank you, Allison, so much for joining us on Marketers Brief. Thank you. I want to thank Allison Witherspoon for joining us. She's the VP of Marketing Communications and Media at Nissan North America. And I'm Jessica Wall, reporter at AdAge. You've been listening to the Marketer's Brief podcast produced by Max Sternlicht. To make sure you get all the latest episodes of Marketer's Brief, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to join us for a new episode next week. Talk to you then.